0: I read a a headline on my way here. It was like, Inside America's Love Hate Relationship with Candy Corn. We do this every year. How do you feel about candy corn, though? I don't understand how you can love it or hate it. It's just corn syrup and wax. I love it,
1: and it's not the taste. It's the texture. Something about the texture. I do like the texture. It's like a perfect conjuring of my childhood. It's like, oh, okay, everything's okay. I have my candy corn.
0: But of course, Louise, we are not here to talk about candy, even though Halloween is right around the corner. We're here to talk about something even sweeter. Do you know what it is? Let's talk about cats. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about (laughs) cats. Cats. Let's talk about cats. Let's talk about cats. Let's talk about cats. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Cats. I'm noted cat lady, Mary Phillips Sandy. My cat is Grendel, and I am joined today by Louise Ha. Hello. Louise is a writer, a researcher, and a producer for Order of the Good Death, which is a platform and community leading the way in the death positive movement. We're going to find out what that is very shortly. And you are the co host of the Death in the Afternoon Podcast, Yes. Which is a very good podcast that I enjoy. Even though I don't normally enjoy things that involve death, and we're going to talk more about that. (laughs) But when you're not doing all of that, you have a more important job to do. Yes. You care for two beautiful black cats named Dorothy and Agatha. Could you introduce us to them via the five-word memoir? For Agatha,
1: barely cat, mostly prairie dog. Dorothy is drooling beast... Deal with it, you jerk.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about these cats later (laughs) in the show. It's time for our cat quiz. Okay. Here's how it works. There are five questions. Uh, You cannot say, I don't know. That's not an okay answer to give. And you have to answer quickly. There isn't a time limit, but nobody wants to listen to dead air. No. Okay. So Louise Hong, you know a lot about death and you know a lot about cats, but do you know about death, funerals, and cats? Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Question number one. When a pet cat died in ancient Egypt, members of the household did what as a symbol of mourning? They would mummify it. I'll give you a half point because that's correct, but the actual answer I was looking for was they shaved their eyebrows. Oh. I really would love to know what that looked like. I guess people running around Egypt without eyebrows and you knew their cat had died. Maybe I'll bring it back. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, Question number two. The oldest pet cemetery in the United States opened in 1896 in what state? New York. Correct. Do you know the name of it? I forgot. It's the Hartsdale Pet Cemetery. I knew the word heart was in it, but I, I was hesitant. Question number three. Tama, a calico cat who was appointed honorary railroad station master in rural Wakayama Prefecture, Japan. Died in 2015. Rest in peace. How many people attended her funeral? Was it 900, 1500, or 3000? 3000. Correct, Louise Hunk. And she has now been succeeded by junior station manager Katz. So if you go to Wakayama Prefecture, be sure to check that out. Alright, question number four. When this fashion icon died, he left part of his $200 million estate to his beloved cat, who's now being raised by her favorite maid. As you do, who was it? Oh i don't know valentino i'm so sorry carl lagerfeld right. and his cat chupette question five you're doing great staff at a rhode island nursing home adopted a kitten whom they named oscar soon they discovered that oscar had an unusual talent what was it he would sleep on the beds of people who were soon to die that is correct oscar knew when people were about to die louise you win the cat quiz i do
1: i never win anything
0: All right, please open your prize and tell the people who are listening what what you got. Oh my goodness, this is perfect.
1: It is um, a piece of art. It's a painting of a, a hairless cat
0: sitting on a skull, and the name of it is Little Death's Head. It is perfect. Yes, and the artist, uh, shout out to Abby Rocha in Oakland, California. She herself is part of uh, the, death po- <laughs> the death positive <laughs> movement. I'm going to say it wrong one of these times. And so she was very excited to have her art on this show. We'll put a link to her shop on the show's website. It is perfect. Yay. I'm so excited to put it in my home. Now, the hot topic debate we're going to resolve an important and divisive feline question once and for all whatever we say stands forever so we got to get this right louise halloween costumes for cats good or bad you know
1: i think it depends on the cat i would say for i've never put my cats in clothing none of my cats have ever liked it they freak out i don't want to put them through that it's more important to me that they're comfortable than i get you know Cute pictures out of it. But I do know cats who like or tolerate clothes. And if your cat is into that and they're not going to be traumatized,
0: why not? Go for it. Here's a statistic that will blow everyone's mind. It blew mine. According to the National Retail Federation, in 2018, they estimate that people spent $480 million on Halloween pet costumes. Oh my gosh. Now it's not just cats, right? Right. That's, you know, dogs, iguanas, whatever you get a costume for. That's a staggering amount of money. Yes. If everybody stopped dressing their cats in costumes, would there be some sort of economic collapse?
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's mostly dogs. I used to work in a shop that sold clothing for pets. And the dog (laughs) Halloween costumes were not only expensive, Mm -hmm. but they were elaborate. And when people were into it,
0: they were into it. The cat people were a little more like bow tie, maybe. I will confess here on this show, I have dressed cats in Halloween costumes. (laughs) Um, My late cat Milo had a tutu um, (laughs) that he hated, but I do have some really great photos of him in it. And his brother Buckley had a little vampire costume with a little cape. And Buckley didn't mind it as much because when he wore it, he got attention and that was all Buckley wanted in life. Okay. With Grendel, I have tried to dress her up as a dragon, which did not work. (laughs) Um, I think I'm just not going to bother this year. It's again, not worth it. Although my son has been having a lot of fun trying to come up with ideas for what Grendel could be. Uh Uh-huh. He had the best idea the other day. What was it? He was like, what if Grendel dressed up as a cat for Halloween? (laughs) And I said, oh, you mean not get her a costume? And he said, no, get her a costume of a cat. He just meant another house cat who is Grendel, just a random cat. That's cool. I like that. I kind of am into that. I don't know how I'm going to do that, given that uh, Grendel does not like being wrestled into outfits. Uh, (laughs) And frankly, neither does my kid. They have that in common. But um, It really is something to think about. If you're struggling for a a costume idea for your cooperative cat, just dress him up as a different cat. Maybe like your neighbor's cat. um, It's like, (laughs) oh, I've been watching your cat. Here's my cat dressed up like your cat. It's like single white female cat. Single white feline?
1: That's what it was, yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: So I think we've reached an answer here, which is that... Halloween costumes for cats, well, an important part of the economy, uh, but <laughs> probably not worth risking your, your, your health and well-being or your cats for. Yeah. Um, but if you are going to do it, try to creep out your neighbor. Uh, there's a win. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time for... My favorite part of the show. They're all my favorite parts of the show. (laughs) But this is my favorite, favorite part of the show. Uh, Louise, let's talk about your cats. Yes. So how did you meet Dorothy and Agatha?
1: Well, um, I had just moved to New York. And I was, you know, dopping around on Facebook. And a friend of a friend um, reached out to me and was like, there are these two cats in Queens that are adorable. And you should take a look at them. And I had just... um, A cat of mine had just died a few months ago, my last cat, Mosa. And um, I was just like, you know, I'm not ready. I just moved back to the U.S. Oh, where were you moving from? um, Yamaguchi, Japan. Okay. But then, you know, I'm looking at these, these little tiny baby kittens and I showed my husband which was like the mistake and he's like I want them we need to rescue them they need to come live with us Brandy our cat who died Brandy wants us to have those cats I'm like oh okay psychic connection there okay beyond the grave so I you know hesitantly contacted the A person who was fostering them in Queens, and it turns out that she had rescued them because someone in the neighborhood was poisoning cats, (gasps) and had poisoned the other kittens in their litter, and they were the only survivors. And so after that, I was like, "Well, (laughs) they're mine now." Where did the names come from? Um, So my husband is um, a uh, Agatha Christie. Fan. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And well, Agatha is just a great sort of like black cat spooky name mm-hmm. too. And then Dorothy Parker.
0: Oh, I love this! <laughs> wow, very literary cats. That's great. Um, and we mentioned before they are black cats. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think it is that here in 2019 in the United States of America people still kind of buy into these weird, very old superstitions and folk tales about black cats? I mean, we have electricity now. <laughs> Yes. Yes, we do. Um, What's funny to me is that in
1: a lot of places around the world, black cats are not bad luck. They're good luck. Um, In Japan, the little lucky cats you see sometimes, sometimes they're they're often black. They're often black. And those ones specifically uh, ward off evil spirits. And um, places around the world, black cats are great. It's, you know, largely in America, because we've bought into it for so long, and in my mind, related to death phobia and... We just sort of got to get over it because black cats are wonderful.
0: I guess death really brings up two of the worst feelings you can feel, which are fear and sadness, right? Yes. I know I personally will go out of my way to avoid feeling those feelings. Yes. Um, Do we need to set aside the fear and the sadness, or do we need to learn how to think about death despite the fear and sadness? It's really more like leaning
1: into that fear and anxiety for me. I I mean, I deal with death every single day. I write about death. I research death. I talk about death. And I am afraid of death. Everyone I know has some fear of death. It's like maybe some of those anxieties have been quieted, but if you have absolutely no fear of death, I don't know if I buy it because it's the great unknown. We don't know what's going to happen, and that's part of being a human being and being alive, and I'm
0: okay with that. How did you get into death?
1: (laughs) Well, I grew up in a household that, talked about death. It was never taboo. I mean, I knew what my mother wanted to do with her remains after she died for as long as I can remember. So you grew up with death. Did you also grow up with cats? Oh, gosh, I sure did. I do not remember a time in my life when we didn't have a cat in the house. Um, My mom was very much the cat lady growing up. So, you know, the cats in the neighborhood know that, oh, that's where you go if you want to get fed. So many would come And then over time, she'd be like, well, this one needs to come in and this one. So we at at our height, I think we had 10 cats living in our one story home in Dallas, Texas. And over time, you know, they lived out their lives. And now the remnants of that generation of cats, um, this toothless Siamese cat named Baby is living with my mother still now. And I mean, she could be like 20 something and she's just still full of piss and vinegar shout out to you baby
0: This is the first time I'd ever heard this phrase, the death positive movement. I'd love for you to explain to us what that means and if it applies to pet death as well as to human death. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, So
1: basically, the death positive movement is attempting to open up the conversation about death. Death is a part of life. And To talk about it doesn't mean that you're weird and welcoming death and want to die. It means that you're naturally curious about death, that you want to do your best to have a good death for yourself and for others, meaning a death that you have made choices about, that you've thought about. It's taking death out of the shadows. You know, it is a part of life. And for so long, it was a part of how people... Interacted with people in their community. A hundred years ago, it would be part of the community's job or honor, really, to come in and help prepare a dead person in the home for burial and for their funeral. So it it is it's sort of a new thing, not relatively new thing that like oh we we don't talk about death, don't you know talk about funerals. It's just you're morbid and bad, and there must be something wrong with you. No. There's nothing wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, how does cat death differ from human death?
1: I've actually spoken to a lot of people who have said, when my cat died, I mourned so much harder than when, say, a human relative or friend died. Not that you can really compare the two. And I'm not sitting here saying, like, cat death is worse than human death. I'm Louise Hung. But... There is something about this creature that has um, entrusted its life into yours. And at least on my end, it's always been like, you know, did I do everything right? Did they understand? Like, there's so many more questions unanswered when a cat dies. And so is the mourning different? Yes and no. I mean, it is still painful. It is still traumatic you still don't get over it necessarily. I hate it when people say, Oh well, she's over the death of that cat. Right. I no, I'm my cat my cat Brandy died years ago and I I don't know if I'll ever be over it. I feel the same way about human relatives. We're in a culture, I think that wants us to get over it really quickly and not talk about death, not talk about your grief, get better, get better. You don't don't get
0: better. Right. You just evolve. We do have ways of marking human death. We have rituals. We have sort of socially acceptable ways of processing it in some public way, whether that's a funeral or a religious ceremony or just getting together with friends and family. But with cats, we don't have that so much. And I don't know. I wonder if having a process like that for cats would make a difference. The fact is that a lot of people don't understand when a cat dies. They don't understand how you feel. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because I think that a lot of people's
1: first um, experiences with death are is pet death. Yes. It's how we learn about the feeling of grief for uh, children, adults. It's how you learn that life really does end. And I think that part of the death positive movement, like I've said, is to talk about death, open up that conversation. It's not in the shadows. It's out in the light. And um, in the death positive community, people talk about their pets' deaths a lot. Occasionally, people are hesitant, thinking, oh, like, should I talk about when people are dying? Should I talk about my cat? And I've seen an overwhelming like no we get it your pain is real your sorrow is real people understand more and more there's been a lot written about it that pain is pain Mm -hmm. grief is grief you can't say to yourself like well my cat died and my aunt died I I can't feel bad here I'm gonna feel bad about my aunt you you can't do it it's impossible so you have to embrace that grief I'm not saying that human grief, animal grief, all the griefs are the same, but they don't have to be, you know, we don't me- It's not the Olympics of grief.
0: <laughs> have you ever attended a cat funeral or a ritual of some sort for a deceased cat that made an impression on you? Yeah, um,
1: actually, so my cat Mosa um, lived with me in Japan, and um, he lived a very short amount of time. He he was very sick when I got him, but then um, we decided to cremate him in our small town in Yamaguchi, and so we called the local pet crematory. They came and picked up his body. They put him in a little kitty coffin. They put Flowers and pillows on him, put him into the van. I mean, it was above and beyond. The woman actually said a few words in Japanese about Mosa. (laughs) And then she drove off and said to come the next day to the crematory. And it was set up like you'd imagine, like a traditional human funeral. He was laid out in his little cat coffin. There were flowers everywhere, there was music playing. And then she asked us to sit down. And she went to, like, Google Translate. It was so sweet. She did a whole um, eulogy for Mosa in Google Translated English, which was (laughs) at odd at times, but so sweet and so actually very moving. And then we went and got him, and he was in this beautiful, his, his remains. They didn't, interestingly... They didn't um, pulverize his cremated bones like they usually do here. So when I looked into the urn, all his bones were brittle but intact, which I love. Some people may not like that. Oh, wow. I loved it. Okay. And I thought it was beautiful. And they put him in his little beautiful little urn. They wrapped him up in this silk box with his name in Japanese on it. And it was like a beautiful silver colored present that I got to take with me.
0: Do you think that cats can communicate with us from the afterlife, whatever that is? Personally, I believe in ghosts. I, I'm i a
1: skeptical believer. I think there's less of the animal beyond the grave communication than we think. But do I think it exists? Yes. The little black blurs, brown blurs out of the corner of my eye, the feeling of the cat jumping on my bed after she died. That could be muscle memory. That could be my brain is telling me they're still there. Do I chalk it up entirely to science?
0: (laughs) Um, No. Can you tell us about one of those experiences? What happened?
1: Yeah. My cat Brandy died in Hong Kong and um, I was out of my mind. And in the week she died, I remember waking up in the middle of the night I got up and went to the bathroom, got a glass of water, and I look up on the couch, which was, I was in a tiny studio, and the couch is right by my bed, and I looked up on the couch, and I was like, oh, there's Brandy, and I look back, and she's still sitting there, or this shadow, this darkness that (laughs) was Brandy, and I hit my husband awake, and I was like, Alex, Alex, he looks over, she's not there anymore, and I said to him, I'm like, my bonkers, what's going on, he's like, no, you're lucky, you're so lucky. I love that. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) I want to address a stereotype that I've heard about black cats, which is that they are difficult to photograph. Is that true? I think they are
1: I mean I'm I'm trying to teach myself to be a photographer right now I I am friends with a pet photographer who sort of gave me some black cat photography tips but like I feel like I have to get them in just the right position I'm constantly being like
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) hey 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 hey.
1: he actually told me if you want to get a better photograph of your black all black cat is don't do the whole light background black cat do a black
0: cat on a dark background it works better it pops somehow. yeah yeah someone's saying to me I think people probably like black cats even less in this age of Instagram because half the point of having a cat is to post it on your Instagram <laughs> but you know I guess the other thing is any cat can be uncooperative mm-hmm. um, and certainly my cat Grendel I sometimes get frustrated with her because she often is just in the same position. And for the Let's Talk About Cats Instagram account, I wanna, you know, give people the content that they demand. Um and it's like, Oh, you're just curled <laughs> up in a circle again. Come on, Grendel, like stretch a paw. And she yawns and Yeah. I was like, oh, I have like 25 pictures of you yawning. Yes. i got to get something different. Nope. They have their poses. And yeah, as soon as I'm like, oh, you're doing something cool. And like, get out the phone. And they're like, no, <laughs> no. They're, they're out. So Dorothy and Agatha, it sounds like they have, um, shall we say, strong personalities? Very. They have no boundaries. <laughs> OK. Uh, how
1: does that manifest in your life? They do whatever they want. They, I mean, I'm sure lots of people say this about their cats, but they, you know, I have friends who are like, oh, the cat's not allowed on the bed, not allowed on the countertop. I can't stop them. From the moment they walked into our house, we're like, do whatever you want. We love you. No, like, you know, you want to walk all over our faces and our pillow, please. It's beautiful. It's so cute. I came home once and I was putting my groceries away and I was like, I thought I bought a loaf of bread and some cheese. I really did. So a few days go by and I was like lying in, bed one day I was like what there's a weird smell and this was like spring-ish so it's starting to get humid and another day goes, day goes by and I was like this something smells weird so I look under the bed and in like a little corner surrounded by like you know a suitcase and like some shoes Agatha had hidden the bread in this block of cheddar cheese and ripped open both of them and had been sort of like gnawing on them for days and the cheese was going bad. The bread was just out. And it's like, that to me is the quintessential Agatha story. Dorothy is more... um if you, I don't know, if, if you look at, like, my leg right now, it's, like, got tons, you can't see through the tights, but, like, <laughs> it has tons of little claw marks on it. And she just, she's so sweet in some ways, but she just, like, she needs everywhere. She'll, like, climb on my face, and I, I have to try and stop her from, like, kneading my face, putting her paws in my mouth. Like, she has no boundaries. They're just completely wild beasts who I I ad- completely and 100% adore. And I'm just like, well, you're like this now. There's nothing I can do. So I'm going to be covered
0: in scars. You're going to eat my food. That is, I, I have to say, that is one of the most remarkable things I've ever heard of a cat doing. I mean, a loaf of bread is large. Big.
1: Mm-hmm. Ye- that takes some skill. She is not a big cat either. She's a, At the time, she was under eight pounds. It
0: honestly makes me wonder, <laughs> what else is she capable of? Well, I guess I look forward to Agatha controlling the world eventually someday. It sounds like she's plotting oh, something. She's an honest.
1: Mastermind. Okay. Yes.
0: Well, Agatha, um, uh, if you're listening, uh, I respect you, and yes, please, I will do whatever you say. <laughs> Your new kitten overlord. Yes. Um, before we go, Louise, what would you like to say to Dorothy and Agatha listening at home? Please stay out of the recycling.
1: Do not chew on the cords. Um, and yeah, don't tip over the trash can in the bathroom.
0: Okay, so it is now time for our shout-outs. And today we're sending a shout-out to Prince Jammy and Mr. Scrimps in Western (laughs) Massachusetts. There are people, Beth and Chris, say, keep on being sweet, boys. So you do that, Prince Jammy and Mr. Scrimps. (laughs) And that's scrimps with a K, I'd like to add. Oh. Uh, If you have a shout-out that you'd like to send to a cat, just email it to us, shouts at letstalkaboutcats.com. Tell us your cat's name, city or state, and any message you'd like included. I'll read it out at the end of an upcoming episode. Louise Hung, thank you so much for talking about cats and death and death and cats with us today. <laughs> thank you. On this very special Halloween episode. How can people find you online if they'd like to keep up with your work, your writing, your podcast, all of that good stuff? Uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter at Louise Hung1. I am not on
1: Instagram. Um, let's see. You can also follow pretty much everything I do at order of the good Death. Dot com. You can also find uh, the YouTube channel that I produce and write for, which is Ask a Mortician, which
0: features my boss and the host of the channel, Caitlin Doty. Excellent. And we'll put links to all of that on our website, which is Let's Talk About Cats You can get show notes and a transcript of this episode there as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Spread the word. That helps us. It helps you. It makes you look cool. Like you know what cool podcasts are out there. Um, and you can follow us on social media at ltacpod. That's at ltacpod everywhere. All right, that's our show. I am Mary. My cat is Grendel. Our producer is the eternal Lizzie Jacobs. We had production help from Virginia Laura. Our theme song is by Puigley, with additional music by the English Muffins, and our show logo was created by Julia Emiliani. Hey, if you live in New York or if you're going to be in New York, mark your calendars. Sunday, November 17th, we are doing a live event at the Red Room, 85 East 4th Street above KGB Bar. It is a meeting of the Tail and Whisker Club. lot of interesting things planned for this evening. It starts at 7 p.m. So again, that's Sunday, November 17th, a meeting of the Tail and Whisker Club presented by Let's Talk About Cats. You can go to letstalkaboutcats.com and get more information there. Seating is limited, so show up early. Okay. Thank you all so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time about cats.